Good morning, planet Earth. Good morning to all my friends out there traveling through space, traveling through wormholes, traveling on your way to work on Tuesday morning, February the 8th, 2022, in the age of Boblimtok. It's about 9 a.m. Mountain Standard Time here in the great state of Utah, but I think it's around about 10 a.m. where my friend Jim is. How you doing, Jim? I'm doing okay. I am in that centralized time zone that we've all based everything around because, you know, there's the eastern on one side and there's the western. Have you ever looked into the history of, and, and this is a little bit off the outline, but have you ever researched the history of uh, daylight savings time? I've done some research on it, and it seems like it's pretty much just um, nonsense. There's an ancient Indian who was apparently approached about this, and he said something like, you know, I'll leave it to you guys to cut a piece of your blanket off on one end and sew it onto the other and think you've got a longer blanket. Yeah, I kind of agree with it. I was not aware of this, but I don't. I think it was. Um, I think it was after. I think it was after World War II that it really became adopted in a lot of places. Yeah. And they called it. And and it was like they called it wartime. You know, they called it wartime. Yeah. Did you know that? They did, they did a lot of that. I don't know if you know that the withholding of money from people's paychecks began, and it was actually proposed by a fellow named Milton Friedman. If you want to know why Free to Choose was allowed on PBS in the 70s, it's not because it was a great show. It's because Milton Friedman invented income tax withholding from paychecks. They called it the victory tax, and it was how he helped them finance World War II. Because in 1942, it was going to be a while before you know, the, 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 uh, the Japanese attack in December, and the country is allegedly not ready for it. And, gosh, you know, it'll be April before a lot of taxes are collected, so they began withhold money. And it was an emergency thing. It was a victory tax. It's only going to be until the war's over. Guess what? You know, the war's been over a minute. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't want to spend too much time on that, but the reason why I mentioned it is because people will mention things like daylight savings. And I'll think to myself, do you really know where that mind virus came from? Like, why are you trapped in that? It it really doesn't make any sense. And yet, if you think of it from a controlling the human race perspective, it's kind of what you do. I mean, think about B.F. Skinner. His little experiments weren't reality. They were his attempt at controlling reality. And, and they were really experiments. And I don't know what daylight savings is supposed to do. But as sociological experiments go, it's kind of interesting. It is, and it also aligns with, you know, in the book of Revelation, it talks about he will change their times, and, you know, this is something that is imposed on us. It's not something that, you know, we all came up with and thought was, was great. And, and the whole idea of time zones themselves, that was created out of the railroads wanting to have the same time from one station to the next, and they, I guess they, you know, grudgingly admitted that Chicago was not going to have the same noon as New York, so they couldn't just make it all one. But I think if, if the railroads, you know, the big, you know, Vanderbilt types had the power, they would have just said, well, it's all one time zone. You're not allowed to have your time. It's all my time. Because, well, you know, they were a bunch of 
Sure. Yeah, and I've never researched this, but in the computer science world, um, UTC time, and it's sometimes thought of as Greenwich Mean Time, but UTC time's a big deal. And it is, it should be. Arguably, it's necessary for computer integration to have standard uh, time zones and whatnot and a standard timekeeping method. But it's funny because it's it's still based out of England, and I've never researched ley lines and stuff like that or the occult as it relates to time. But I would not be surprised if Greenwich, you know, is somehow connected to that occult stuff. Well, they did a lot of observations there, and that's one of the reasons why there was a uh, Charles II had a, a royal astronomer. He was. Um, say Fleming, but I could be wrong. Anyway, this guy would, would spend all of his nights observing the stars from the Greenwich Observatory. And uh, there was a certain amount of consistency in having a whole series of records going back that far into like, you know, the 1660s, 1670s time frame. And, um, and so that's why the British liked uh, Greenwich as the uh, place to pick for time for the for their area the, the the french obviously chose the meridian through paris and you know the french academy of sciences declares that this is where everything is but you know the french academy of sciences spent a lot of time doing stupid stuff like they came up with a whole new set of names for the months because the old names weren't any good for some reason they came up with new days of the week I think they tried to create a 10-day week, which nobody really understood or, or accepted. <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of things about the metric system that people are like, oh, well, sure, it's that. But then, you, you know, you, you read about Robespierre's, um, you know, being – Robespierre was executed on, I don't know, the 7th of Thermidor or something. And you're like, 7th of Thermidor? Do we get lobster with that? <laughs> I don't know. Those kooky French revolutionaries did a lot of kooky, dangerous shit and, and just absurd shit. Yeah, they, they did. absolutely, absolutely. And, and there's absolutely nothing about the meter that is particularly good. It's not all that great. Um, it turns out that the calculation they thought they were doing, which was taking the distance from pole to the equator and dividing it by 10,000 and blah, 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 blah. They did a bad job. They didn't know how far away the North Pole was. And so they didn't do a really good job of it. The Egyptians actually had a better measurement with their yard that was you know, much more what the, the, the French Academy of Sciences thought it was going for. So the only thing about the metric system that kind of works and makes you know, things a little different is that you know, it's got factors of 10 and you can, you can get from one thing to another fairly quickly if you just know what the rules are. But um, it, it has no measure that is the equivalent of a foot. And a foot turns out to be a really useful measure. If you go into like uh, hardware stores or you go into um, stationary stores, you know, uh, office supply stores, you can get a ruler in France that is about, it's actually 30 you know, centimeters. It's 30 centimeters because that's fairly close to a foot. Because that's a really useful measurement. People people can very easily understand that 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 the need for that, and so people say, "Well, you know, he's one point seven two meters," and you're like, "Huh? How many feet is that?" Because a foot is a really useful, you know, it, it's easy to visualize. 
and, and, and there's a lot of that. I personally am agnostic about measuring systems. I don't think that the metric system is that much better. And I don't think that we need to care. We don't all have to use the same measurement system. We need to be able to convert. And this business of time turns out to be really interesting for smart contracts because what are you going to do to establish time? Are you going to say, well, there's a, you know, there's an atomic clock at such and such which broadcasts on this frequency. Well, what if it stops? That's one of these third-party things that you have to trust. Well, it's not now, just what, the what if your software. Oh, go ahead, what if your software can be spoofed? by being loaded onto a computer that thinks the time code has, is, is different. The, the, you, you, you can set up a computer simulation so the time runs at twice the speed or 10 times the speed or 100 times the speed. So then whatever events your, 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 your software is looking for to trigger certain things like a pay, payment, oh, well, I can spoof it. I can, I can, I can talk it into this being, you know, it's now it's now 2030. I need all of these payments. You didn't make these payments. Oh no! The software then quickly makes the payments. Oh, that's not good. That's not good. So time turns out to be something that you have to be careful with. Oh, it does. And I didn't want to spend too much time on time. I just and, and just to stay on time. <laughs> well, before we run out of time. Before we run out of time, the main subject today is mostly going to deal with the Canadian convoy. But but the reason why I wanted to ask about daylight savings. Is the same reason why I want to talk about something else before we get too deep into the Canadian trucker revolution. When I was a teenage, when I was a kid, actually, when I, I wasn't even a teenager yet, and I think you were a teenager, you remember the seventies, and you remember the seventies. It depends upon where you lived. Like I lived in rural America, so the seventies weren't quite as bad as the Paul Volcker um, after party for people where I'm from. The Paul Volcker after party of the early eighties did way more damage to Washington State's forestry industry, which my dad was involved in, than the 70s. The 70s were bad for lots of people, and I'm not saying they were great for us, but in a lot of ways, the 70s were some of the best years um, for me and my family and for my dad business-wise. So it's one of those things to keep in mind when we talk about history is that even in the worst of times, you'll find people who don't experience the worst of it. But when I was a kid, I saw a couple movies. I, the one movie I want to mention very quickly is the movie Rocky. Now, if you saw the movie Rocky, you went into it, and maybe you were depressed. Maybe you just got laid off from the steel mills in Pittsburgh or something. I have no fucking clue. But by the time the movie's over, you want to cut off your sweatpants and be running up those steps in Philly, right, Jim? It does have a certain enthusiasm, too. Yeah, and... and you know, for many years, I didn't really think too much about it. But a few, well, maybe a week or so ago, I was thinking about a lot of the, the films I've seen throughout my life. And Convoy, there's a film called Convoy. It's a Sam Peckinpah film. And if you don't know Sam Peckinpah, um, who's no longer with us, he died a while back, a, a long while back, I think. Sam Peckinpah is famous in many ways for changing the way violence is approached and, and um, discussed and displayed in the modern film genre. If you've ever seen the film Wild Bunch, it's a classic example of Sam Peckinpah. But whether it's The Wild Bunch or Convoy or any of his other great films like The Killer Elite, he had a kind of way of talking about conflict. Convoy is a movie in a lot of ways a lot like Rocky. It came out two years after Rocky. 
And it's this, you know, underdog versus the, the man. And, and li really, the symbolism of the man post-Vietnam War, post-60s, involves a lot of tanks and artillery towards the end. So it's a movie that deals with a lot of the tensions and violence of the 60s, but in the middle of the stagflation, right, in the middle of the darkness of the oil crises and the stagflation of the 70s. My question for you, Jim, is do you think it's accidental that they promote these types of films to the American public? Because for me, it's kind of like saying you don't need to do anything. You don't need to, don't worry about anything. Rocky and, and, and Chris Christopherson and Luke Skywalker are taking care of it. Well, I do think that there is a feel-good desire on the part of audiences to go see a film where the underdog wins. And Americans are particularly enthusiastic about this because we've always felt ourselves to be somehow you know, good people, fundamentally good, and we don't worry too much about world affairs. And when we do get dragged into something, well, then, you know, we have to, you know, show our mettle and come from behind. And, you know, um, I, I recognize that it's not an accurate picture, but a lot of Americans think that the Europeans were hopeless and we're not going to win World War One until we showed up. And then, you know, we are always coming in at the last minute. And then the same thing is, 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 the American position on World War II, that, uh, you know, in December of 1941, the, the, the Germans are within 50 miles of Moscow. They're, I think 35 kilometers is the closest they ever got. And, uh, you know, there's some stuff with blockades and U-boats that's a conflict in the Atlantic, but it's not clear that, that England is going to be able to hold out in as of the attacks in December of 1941, it's not clear that, that uh, you know, the, the French are going to be able to overcome this or that, even though there have been some victories in different places. Um, uh, there's a bunch of British troops, I think, surrounded at Tobruk. All kinds of things are not going well for the Allies. And then the Americans come in, oh, you know, Operation Torch, we, we wipe them out of, of North Africa, we can ignore all of that, that um, Montgomery stuff at Al Alamein, because that wasn't us. Patton did that. Patton got them out of North Africa. Patton gets them out of Sicily, out of Italy. Well, off the island of Sicily, and in, the Americans get into, into Italy in 1943-ish. And then, you know, now, with Lend-Lease, again, the Americans are the, are the important thing, and so the Soviets are, are pushing the Germans back, and then the Americans land at, at Omaha Beach, and Americans completely ignore, you know, Juno and Sword and Gold. They, ah, ugh, Canadians, who cares? British, who cares? Americans, we did it. And, you know, and, and, they, and the American view is, is that Montgomery was a fool and Operation Market Card was a mess. Probably an Airborne Ranger, you know, officer had something to do with the mess that Operation Martin became, but he didn't take his bridge as soon as he should have. Well, I mean, so, so far, this is a really great movie. Keep going. It, but, but my point is, is that Americans think of themselves as having come from behind and jumped in at the last minute and saved everybody's ass in World War II. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's inaccurate. I think Americans have a, you know, an American exceptionalism view 
but but I think there's a way that you can look at it that way and say, well, this is how history is. And so uh, coming out of World War II, Americans have this view that, that, you know, we are the saviors of the world and we're doing all this great stuff. And we've got the nuclear bombs. And nobody else does. And this, you know, this illusion of Pax Americana lasts until, what, about 1949 when the Soviets blow up. And my point is, is that there's nothing wrong, I think, with a film like Star Wars, which says that, you know, uh, a young kid who's suddenly finds, who was an orphan and suddenly finds his family killed by the Empire can take action and can do some incredible stuff. Right. I don't think there's anything wrong with that storyline. That was a pretty cool story. And the special effects were unbelievable. For 1977, I mean, people have no idea. But if you look, if you, if you make a kid today sit and watch original Star Trek and, and, and even the frame-by-frames, some of these, these special, so-called special effects, you know, he'll roll his eyes. I mean, yeah, I know. No, no dude, there's no comparison. There's, listen, crap. listen, Jim, it took NASA 20 years to kept up, catch up to Lucasfilm. So, yeah, they were way ahead yeah, of Absolutely. I mean, I mean, Dr. Strangelove is hard for a teenager to watch. was hard, you know, 15 years ago uh, because, it's, you know, even though Dr. Strangelove has a lot of actual footage of B-52s in the sky, it still looks kind of hokey, yeah. the whole thing. Um, and, and part of it is campy and fun. You know, it, it ends well. It has, it has a happy ending. Slim Pickens gets to go for that last ride, and the whole world is blown up. And, you know, and, and we cannot allow a mine shaft gap. That's right. That's right. Well, so here's the deal. When I look, the last couple of years, um, and by the way, this whole thing about going into a movie depressed and then coming out feeling like you won the war so everything's okay, I call it the Rocky effect because in a way I think a lot of people end up being sublimated by this. I'm not saying that this is on purpose, Jim, but a lot of people will get into that kind of entrainment. They don't actually have to go out and do anything. They just have to watch the movie. Now, when I look at what's going on in Canada, and with all due respect to anybody out there involved, I want to believe that this is an authentic group of people doing an authentic activity. But since early 2020, I've just come to realize that we are being, I, you know, in a very, um, a very um, rude way, I would call it a mind fuck. In a specific and technical way, I would call it military psychological warfare. But we have been exposed to a lot of limited hangout, one-time Charlie, uh, sci-fi, scare-the-fuck-out-of-you bullshit. And so when I look at the trucker thing, I want to believe it's real, but then I remember looking deeper into the BLM Antifa thing, and I quickly found that was bullshit with my own eyes, with my own evidence. Right. Well, and one of the things that tells you that BLM and Antifa was, was garbage is that as soon as Biden becomes president, it's gone. There's none. There's none of this happening. They've got $60 million or something in a BLM bank account, and they can't even decide whether to bother to have anybody be in charge of BLM because they don't need it anymore. In the Democrat or liberal or whatever, commie revolution, whoever you want to call these people in their minds, having done what they did in November 2020, they, they can win every election from now on. There will never be any kind of opposition party. They will always have control of both houses of Congress and the White House. I don't believe that. But I think that there are people in, on their side who do believe that. 
Therefore, it doesn't matter to them whether anybody competent is running, is in charge at the, you know, at the bank account for, for BLM. Right. To me, $60 million, to you, $60 million is, you know, plenty of money. We could get a lot done. We could do some of your experiments on lighter than aircraft. We could do some of my experiments on building um, observatories, steam engines, and having a whole... You know, we uh, could we could build a, we could build an aerospace okay. company, Jim. We could start an aerospace we company. We, we, with we, 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 we could we could we could we could fund Abby Alto and be building you know the the the, the apartment at uh, what do we call it the condominium you called it the condo uh, at a the hundred grand that hundred grand is what we should call it although it'll probably cost five million but a hundred thousand feet yeah, yeah. exactly. We could do a lot with sixty million dollars, so it's it's it, it seems incomprehensible. But to them, to the people who have all of these billionaires behind them, it's it, it's irrelevant. They don't care. They don't have any kind of interest in making the world a better place. They're just in it to hurt other people and have power over them. Right. And so, I think that I happen to think that the trucker convoy and a lot of these trucker telegram chats that I'm actually now involved in are sincere, that there are a lot of very, very sincere people who believe in freedom and who are doing the things. And I think, you know, the, the barricading of the, the bridge in Detroit, uh, the, the blockade in Coots, Alberta, these are interesting features. But the main thing is, is that tens of thousands of people showed up in Ottawa to petition their government for redress of grievances and the government of Justin Trudeau and the and the mayor of Ottawa and the bureau rats who run the little bureau rat operations, little little hives of rats who are parasitical on the Canadian people and, and live and work in Ottawa. All of them hate freedom. They hate independence. And they revile truckers for being able to go anywhere in the country. You know, and so they want to force the passports on people and they want to force the vaccinations on people because they hate them. Everybody in Ottawa who is against the truckers is actually a bigot against freedom and against humanity. They hate mankind, including themselves, because they work as parasites. I mean, you can't work as a weasel and a vermin for decades and not have it affect your soul. They hate themselves. They look at themselves in the mirror and they say, well, I'm a, a worthless little bureaucratic piece of garbage. And when I get up in the morning, I make other people suffer by writing edicts. That's what bureau rats do. Right. And so they're, 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 because they're parasitic, they hate themselves and they therefore hate everybody else. And they're eager to make everybody suffer. And so Trudeau, rather than agreeing that he could meet with the people, what uh, yesterday was in the Houses of Parliament saying that you can't meet with anybody because somewhere in the crowd at some point, one of the people we put in there carried a Confederate flag and somebody else had a, uh, uh, was trying to say that Trudeau's a fascist, so they put a swastika on a Canadian flag. And this, yeah. this is too terrible. We can't meet with any but, such people. Jim, can I pause you for a second? Yeah, I, I really do. I do think the, the the basic rule that the revolution won't be televised is a basically true rule, and so the fact that we're able to observe this and see this trauma drama, a lot like the Spotify Joe Rogan bullshit, um, the the fact that we can see this 
makes me suspect, and I'm sorry. That's where I start. The other well, issue is, I mean, no, Jim. The other issue is Jim. Well, the other are issue. Are you saying though? Are Jim, you saying, here's are the you other issue. This coverage on on Canadian broadcasting because the main, the hoaxstream media is not covering it the same way that the independent media. No, are they're covering. they're all doing a really good job of Marxian, you know, synthesis, antithesis, and then then later comes the the you know antithesis, and later comes the synthesis, but. No, what I'm also saying is we've had all these logistical stories. Hackers at Tyson Chicken, Russians shutting down pipelines. We can't find enough stevedores to unload the cargo ships. And now we have this. And it looks like a pattern to me, Jim. Well, maybe it is. I mean, listen, I, I'm not in charge of the truckers. I think there's a trucker guy from, like, Vancouver or something, and there's a Metis woman who's a Native American, or they say First Nations person. And, you know, and they're involved in the leadership. And so I think they're real people and I think they're really doing this because they don't want vaccine passports and they're not happy when they go to the border and they, you know, the, 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 the head of, it, uh, of the trucker convoy in, in Canada said, well, I went to the border crossing and I tried to hold up my QR code for my phone and he said, I don't need to see that. Your phone's already talked with us. Your phone's already disclosed that you're properly vaccinated and you can go the, on. The th throw away the stupid, ironically named device, I would say, also. Uh, you know, there are things you can do. But, yeah, I hear what you're saying, Jim. It's just, why well, do you... Right, but how, how are you going to run a trucking company today if you don't have cell phones? I mean, you're not... Okay, dude, you don't have to have the way we have mobile today to have mobile. Let's just stop right there. The way we have mobile today is very deep state, very infiltrated, very taxed and regulated, dude. I have a friend here in Eureka Springs who put Linux on his phone. That's great, and, but he's and, still using a and, network that has an infinite and, number of man-in-the-middle attacks. Oh, it's, 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 it's worse than that. Every time he turns on the phone, the phone has a Google announcement that says, your phone is loading an operating system that we don't understand it's not and i'm like so the the firmware the firmware recognizes that it's not part of their system anymore and it doesn't like it it wants to go back yeah that's reality jim well it is reality and it's and it, and it sucks but you know we got here incrementally right i mean you know in in 2019 none of us thought that this all all this shit uh, you was know, about to happen jim can can i just say this i think we got here the same way we fucking got the daylight savings time jim and the same way we were convinced you know world war 2 was the cartoon that we were told it was I don't think this is the problem of the people. You constantly tell me this, and I agree with you, that we shouldn't take ownership of the actions of the government. Dude, the government fucking got us here, okay? I don't think people wanted this. I really don't. Well, no, but we adopted these technologies because we thought that they were relatively innocent and because there seemed to be a lot of cell phone providers. Look, I think there would have been a lot more skepticism if AT&T hadn't been broken up in 1984. People would have looked at the monopoly AT&T is rolling out something they call cell phones and people would be like, screw that, I don't want any of that. Like a whole bunch of little tiny companies that were formed by you know organic processes and people raised capital and got shit together and we didn't know that our phones were going to become tracking devices 
Well, I mean, but did they know yeah, that the first integrated circuit was developed with the first cold-launch nuclear missile system? Do they know where DARPAnet, which was going to become the worldwide net, came from? Did they not know? Some people knew this, but again, remember, you and I both went through this in the, in the, in the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s. It looked like the Internet was a frontier where you could set up a server and you could run a little internet service provider and you could make some money. Well, and I would, and Jim, that. with all due respect, I would say a rooster tail lure looks like some type of tasty insect to a trout. It does. Oh, oh, okay. Well, listen, you know, and I'm hungry. I'm a hungry trout. I'm, I'm ready to eat something. Do you have uh -huh. any first-hand people you personally have met involved in the trucker convoy right now that you've met in person? I don't mean that you've talked to using own technology. I mean that you know one person in this whole thing up there in Canada personally. I know someone in the trucker uh, business that I've met in person, yes. No, but I mean someone who's but actually I don't up... think she's up in Canada right now. I okay. actually had it on my list to call up. It's Ben Stone's daughter, so I'm going to call Ben and talk to her a little bit to find out about this. But okay. Well, it would be that, not, would, be, that yeah. would be a resource of, of, of that nature, yeah. Well, I think almost everything you see on the internet now, should, you should try to check it if you can. It's just my general opinion, but I don't well, know. Well, I think that's a, valid, that's a valid opinion, but at the same time, the people who are wanting to do something shouldn't be discouraged from actually doing something. Just because the, the convoys may also serve the purpose of the same people who are trying to screw up the supply chain doesn't mean that there aren't good people in the trucking business. And it doesn't mean that people should do nothing just because they're uncertain whether they're being played. No, I, I think people should take action. I also think that they should do so in a way that is tactically and operationally useful. And at this point, I'll be honest with you, Jim, I think it's great. If, if there are really people in Canada right now who are actually truckers, who are actually involved in this, I think this is great. And the measure of what this is will happen in the next few weeks. If this peters out and vaporizes at some point, I don't know what to say. Because it's just another one of these flash in a pan, we need to cover a ship that didn't come in from Asia thing, maybe. I have no idea. But... I think that ultimately it's a question of how far are they willing to go. Right now they're blocking bridges. If that's really happening, I would argue that's significant. Now it's a question, what does the government do? Do they clear them out by force? What happens well, now? Well, they are, they are clearing them out uh, one at a time, which I don't think will work out very well. There was a thing on one of the um, Telegram channels this morning a guy with a fuck Trudeau bumper sticker and, uh, you know, his, he was trying to move his truck. The, the, the cops made it clear that they wanted him to move. And then they more or less deliberately made it so that he backed into one of their cars and now he's arrested. And so now they have a particular gr grievance against that particular truck and they're moving him away. Um, I think that that's going to be very, very difficult. I think that if they had the military people who were willing to do that, they would have already gone in. I have heard rumors that members of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, which is their national police force, have resigned, like 300 of them. I have heard, and this is again rumors, rumors that members of the armed forces will not, you know, we will not evict the, the Canadian truckers. We won't, we won't do that. Now, this is... this. 
uh, again, to relate it back to past events, in the 1930s, there was a thing, I think in 1934, there was a thing called the Bonus Army, which were veterans from World War One who wanted to negotiate an opportunity to get through the Great Depression and get the bonus they were promised that would come in 1945. They wanted to get that early. They, 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 and they showed up, and it was a peaceful demonstration. And Herbert Hoover turned the tanks on them and had Patton and uh, Eisenhower and MacArthur uh, go, go and wipe them out. And, and there were, you know, tent cities, and, and it's regarded as one of the atrocities that happened near Washington, D.C. In, in the 30s. Hey, and this is one of the reasons why I don't think, I guess it must have been 1932. That one doesn't I, I, show yeah. up in the movies, though. Hoover, Hoover couldn't get yeah. reelected. Hey, Jim, can I pause you for a second, though? That, that story doesn't really get retold. Other stories oh. of heroic triumphalism get constantly retold. The story of a bunch of poor veterans being run over by tanks. I don't see that one in the movies a lot. No, Americans are ashamed of that, and, and nobody like you yeah, well, know, dude, Oliver Stone. I don't know has, him. I would love to see that movie. I know people that would love that. We, we get to see a Holocaust movie every seven years. Okay? We get to see horrible, <laughs> horrible fucking movies every seven years, making people guilty so we'll keep sending money to Israel. Why can't we see this movie about Americans running over Americans with tanks? I, I don't know. I, nobody has made this movie, and, and, and I think it would be a good movie to make. And, mm -hmm. and with today's you know, special effects crew, you could do the, the 1932-era tank. That would, be, you know, that would be easy. Yeah. So um, I, I don't know, except to say that it is something – it is a shameful episode in American history that Americans are unaware of. It's like, it, it's like Herbert Hoover being the New Deal. Americans think that that's all FDR, that all of these new agencies were created by Roosevelt's administration after 1932. No, it's not true. The Securities and Exchange Commission was founded in 1930. The FAA was founded before that. And they've been screwing up business and finance ever since because they, you know, they don't like it. The, F the FCC, I'm pretty sure, is, is a 1930. It's not something that, who, that, that, that Hoover was against. He was in favor of it. He was, a, he was a communist. He was a progressive Republican. A lot of Republicans are communists. Yeah. And, and if you talk to the Republicans who are hardcore, and, uh, including the pro-Trump hardcore, you will find that they will say Mitt Romney is a commie and, and you know, the, the leader of the Senate, Mitch McConnell, I think. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's oh, yeah. regarded as a cop. Jim, I'd say 100% of the people that vote and think it's okay to vote to use force to force other people to do shit, they're all pretty much commies. 100%. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm willing to say that, that some of them don't realize what they're doing, that they're dupes. Yeah. You know, they're, Wait, there's no way to know. Hanlon's razor's bullshit, Jim. I can't say they're evil. You really don't know they're stupid either. You really don't know. You just well, know I that they. I think people who vote are doing something that doesn't work, and you can actually go through a logical process of saying that voting doesn't work as a way of taking choice. I don't think taking no the vaccine. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, day, yeah. doesn't work. No matter how many people voted that heavier than aircraft will never fly, they fly. Yeah. So I don't know. I will say this, though. Uh, there are lots of things that don't work that people are just completely jumping on the bandwagon with. Okay, I frankly think protests at this point are pointless. I do. That's my opinion. I, God bless the truckers, and we'll talk about what happens next. But 
I think that protests in 2022 don't work. The system is either in collapse, which means you don't need to do shit, you just need to look out for the people you love because when this thing crashes, it's going to fall on people's heads, or it has some magical superpower, Jim, and still the protesting isn't going to work. That's where I'm at. I think we're beyond protesting. There are things that people who are trained can do at this point. I don't think it's protesting. Well, I think if you look at what's being done in Ottawa, Canada right now, the protesting is being rejected as a valid form of, uh, you know, operation. And that speaks volumes because if, 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 if Trudeau's government were actually meeting with the truckers and saying, we understand that you have rational grievances and we understand that you're Canadians and we care about you, we want you to be happy and we want you to go back to driving trucks and delivering cargoes. Then you know that would be that would be something where you could say okay, so there'll be give and take on both sides, and there'll be a solution. But the, it's being rejected as being allowed. You're not allowed to have a convoy of trucks in Ottawa because somebody honked their horn a few times, and there's a ten million dollar suit from some little bureau rat woman who works in Ottawa and she couldn't sleep or something. Yeah, that's not what I'm talking about, though, Jim. That's stupid what they're doing. I'm saying that I don't think anything will be changed by any protests in 2022 and going forward. Whatever's going- I, I, think that, I think that might be true, but I don't think that the rest of the world is convinced of that until these things fail. You know, the rest of the world is being given to me through sources of media that I do not trust. So I'm, it's hard. When I see all this stuff coming out of China, it looks stupid and absurd. None of it looks real. I can't believe people believe the news out of China. So the question is, what the fuck is really going on? When I see the news out of Australia, it looks dumb and absurd. And when I compare it to other people, the people that actually know people say the news is bullshit, that those things are not happening. So the problem I'm having, Jim, is that I have no idea what's going on in the rest of the world right now. The information I am being given right. is provided by a neo-Stalinist corrupt state. It's pretty much all shit. I understand that you have very, very poor sources of information. And I also have do. very, very poor sources of information. But there are hundreds of millions of people on the North American continent. I have a very strong sense of that because I've been in every state in the United States, including Alaska and Hawaii. Yeah, And I have lived in a lot of them. And I, I, I have a visceral certainty. I've traveled extensively in Canada. And I, 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 I believe these people exist. And I don't believe that uh, until the bonus army result is turned on to the Canadian trucker convoy, I don't think all of those people are going to be convinced, as you are, that it's pointless to, to have protests. Oh, I think, I think there are things going, you can do with this. I think they're this. going to continue yeah. to believe that it, it makes sense to have a protest. I think there are things you can do at this point, but they're not things you talk about on podcasts, Jim. That's what I would say. I'm not saying that you, yeah. you're saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you have said on this podcast that there's no point in having protests. At this point, and I don't I'm think there is. You, you have not convinced... The hundreds of millions of Americans I, and the 50 million I didn't so convince anybody exist. about the mass in Seattle, Jim. They would jog with two or three of them on, on in the hot sun. I yeah, don't expect to convince any of these people at this point. We are so close to the next transition that people's beliefs are becoming fixed. 
So right, I don't. Right, right, right. But right, but well, but but you know, but but, but one of the things that people that I know a lot of personally, a lot of individuals I know believe that because it says the right to peaceably assemble to petition the government for redress of grievances shall not be abridged, Congress shall make no law, blah, blah, blah. I think there are a lot of people who do think that it makes sense to protest, and you don't. And I At this that, point, I don't but, think it makes sense. And that you document have, you just quoted, you to, it wait, stole our freedom. You, have to, yeah, you have to wait until the rest of the people have caught up to that to expect them not to protest because you believe that it won't do any good. Oh, I think they're, it's they're worse, Jim. Protest. I think it's worse than that. They're, they can do whatever the fuck they want to do. It's way worse than that. I think most of these protests, if not all of them, are being controlled. So they can go protest, but they should at least ask some serious questions about who's telling them what to do. I have had, I've not had the time to figure out who's controlling this particular protest. But whether it's the Proud Boys or BLM or Antifa, the deeper you look, or January 6th, the deeper you look, the more you find feds. That's my perspective. Oh, 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 yeah. You don't have to scratch any of those very hard at all to find that they're all run by the FBI. And the FBI is really in a lot of trouble if if all of these desperate things that they're doing are indicative of of what the F- FBI thinks is going to work. I mean, you've seen these little marches by obviously feds. They're not even changing uniforms, and they call themselves the Patriotic Front or something. They've marched a couple of times in Washington, D.C. It's silly. I mean, there's a couple hundred guys. There's all kinds of sideshows right now. I bet military intelligence and all the services is quite busy assigning privates right now, privates, corporals, and sergeants. Yeah. I bet there's all kinds of sideshows going on, Jim. I really do. Well, there are. And, and, you know, and you can can see them on videos on, on, on YouTube of them. And it's funny. It's funny because... The level and extent of the corruption and the efforts to hide what they've done are creating this absurd situation where they're, they're convinced that they can hold on to power. And, and they don't understand that they've never had any meaningful power compared to God. And God decides what's going to happen. And who's going to actually have power? You have a note, and I think it's a funny note. You mentioned that Ottawa's mayor was considering using helicopters to remove the um, trucking rigs, the big, the big, you know, eighteen wheelers, the big trucks. Yes, yes. Remove the tractor trailer rigs and just get them out by airlifting them out with a grappling hook. Take take the Chinook helicopters overhead. And lower a grappling hook and, 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 you know, like the thing in the, in the, when you go to an arcade, sometimes they have the grappling hook that lets The claw, you, the claw. The claw, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and every child who has worked the claw knows that when you pick something up, sometimes the claw fails and you end up holding nothing and the thing you picked up falls back. Yeah, and you couldn't use a Chinook. You'd have to use a sky hook. You, you couldn't. Well, you'd have to, you, you, you you'd couldn't. have to. You'd have to use something. The CH-47, I think, has like a 26,000-pound uh, uh, lift. Yeah, but so it's, not, it's not enough. To... It's not enough for a, a, a big truck, dude. I don't think you could do it with a Chinook. 
some of the some of the trucks just semi tractor is about yeah. twenty thousand pounds. Okay, that's and then what, there's a trailer. Those margins, trailer can be I know, 10, I know, but the plane, the, the the craft has to lift itself and the fuel and the truck. Oh right, absolutely. It's it's crazy. It's a crazy idea. Plus, you're not just going to come in from overhead and drop a grappling hook and have this work. <laughs> no, it's not going to work well that way. There, like, there are folks um, at the hundred and first, which is our air assault division, in the United States military. They they go to school to learn how to do rigging, and they would be laughing their asses off at this bullshit. Right, because if you were just had one, you have one tractor trailer rig, the the front thing, the thing that pulls. Not the trailer, just the, the, the but, tractor. Yeah. You, 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 you would have a crew of guys, maybe five guys, would go around and, and hook slings to different things that are hard-pointed. You couldn't just like wrap one, one uh, strap over a wheel and expect to be able to haul this thing <laughs> you up. Could, you you probably, the problem is you could, but these modern trucks, it would probably split in half. It would probably be torn and, apart. And then you have... Things falling out of the sky on people that might not be part of the tractor movement. I mean, you're going to be picking this thing up and carrying it over the city of Ottawa. So the thing that that, that they couldn't persuade the mayor that this wasn't going to work, that there were no such helicopters. He was convinced that that it could be done. And then they said, but what what if the grappling hook, you know, lets loose and we drop a load on somebody's house? The liability and 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 the fact that we chose to do this, it will make us look stupid, and we will have this massive liability, and Ottawa will never get insurance again. That persuaded him. Somehow, the financial aspect of it was something he could get his stupid little mind around. So they're not doing that. It, it's nice. If they could do this, like if this was something a military helicopter could do. You would have military helicopters on the battlefield with giant claws that go around picking shit up and taking it. It's not as easy as it sounds. It isn't. It really it's, isn't. It's, it, it's not. And, and this is one of the things about our world that a lot of people think they have a pretty good idea of how everything works. Well, we've got guys who can lift this rock, and then we've got guys who can build that building. We've got guys who can assemble you know, steel and who can work on the microscopic level with nanotechnology and blah, blah, blah. So we're, you know, we, we have all of the powers and we don't, I mean, there are, there is a 3000 ton rock, one of the trilithon rocks in some like temple to, to, um, Zeus or somebody down in Jupiter, I think down in, uh, Lebanon somewhere. And, and we have no technology for lifting a 3,000-ton rock and putting it. I mean, 3,000, that's 6 million pounds, right? I'm not wrong about that. That's huge. Yeah, that's huge. It's huge. And we have no technology that will lift that vertically, even one foot. We have no, nothing we have will do that. You can, you can, you can take all of the construction equipment you want and cherry pick it and, and take whatever you want there, and you will not get that rock one foot off the ground because we don't have that tech that's why you got that. dynamite jim that is right that is right and if you if you if you look at what the uh the 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 the, the, the arabs did uh into to get into the great hall of of the great pyramid you know, oh, there's there was blasting. They blasted the hell out of the great pyramid to to make that uh, Mahmoud's tunnel or something. 
Divin Mama, somebody. Anyway, they have names, you know, and you can look it up. It's so we don't know. We aren't the highest technology in terms of moving rocks around, but we don't have a, a Neolithic society. We have this this this, this Iron Age society. So that's nice. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, I would also say this. You know, I've reached the point now where it's not just the issue of do I trust my news sources. I just don't know how many, like if I were to go back to the University of Washington libraries and walk through the stacks, I don't know how many of those books I would pick up now, specifically in the history section and say, I believe this. I'd look at the publisher first. I just don't know what the truth is, dude, about ancient times. I know what you and I could talk about, but I don't know the real truth. I don't really know how much of what I was taught in school was true. And if you think of this in terms of value, you know, people will talk about student loans all they want to, but it's not just about all that student loan debt. It's about all that crap that that debt paid for. And a lot of it was useless, Jim. A lot of it was obvious propaganda bullshit. Just on the surface, I could have showed you the classes they made me take at the UW, and at least half of them were pointless. Had nothing to do with my degree, had nothing to do with moving forward. Just crap they want to make you learn. So if I were to walk through those, those libraries today, I don't know how many of those books I would pick up and say, oh, well, this must be true. You know, it, it, it's, well, you know, I don't know. Sorry. Well, I read a lot of books and I, I would say that, you know, the, the mathematics and physics books have a structure because they build up from certain principles that are easy to understand. And then you spend a little time with geometry and you find out, well, but if you have this axiom instead of that one, then you build a whole different model. And it's not Euclidean geometry. It's something else, non-Euclidean. And there are a large number of non-Euclidean geometries. Oh, well, that's exciting. But it's all very logical, and it's logic-based, and so you can build a structure up on top of it and say, well, I've got something that makes sense. And it's predictable. You know, when I, when I, when I manipulate the, the nuclear reactor in this way, I get these kinds of results very reliably. So, you know, these are the things to do, and these are the things to not do. And, and that's nice. It's nice to have that because the technology, the engineering, the physics, and the mathematics all seem to, to flow together as a system. But things like what happened when Alexander went to India, we don't know, and we will never know. And that's unsatisfying, right? Because all we have are the accounts of people who were in India and the accounts of people who were in the Greek army. And we don't have any, any way of saying, well, objectively, the, if we consult the Akashic records, we have, you know, this is exactly what happened. This happened and then that happened. No, we'll never have that. We're not, well, and we also have thousands of years of people copying and copying and copying and being told what to copy. And so you kind of have to assume that's being done pretty well, too. Yeah, yeah and you, if you look at some of it, it, it doesn't work. Um, like, for instance, uh, they have all of these guys making copies of ancient documents. And then sometime in the Middle Ages, I gather, like 1,200, 1,300, some guy was given all of these records and said, hey, here, here are, the, here, are the, here are the primary source materials for when was Jesus born, right? And so we want to date through the, the records, because, you know, everybody under Herod dated things with Herod's accession to the throne as year one. And uh, Augustinian, uh, you know, Aug uh, Caesar Augustus, all of the records reflect Caesar's 
coming into power, that's the first year. The first year of Caesar Augustus. Yeah. And if you read the Old Testament, it's full of this. You know, uh, the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, the first year of, of, of Ahasuerus. All of these guys are so important in their own minds that they start the calendar over. Well, okay, so it's a mess, is what I'm saying. And the, the, the guy who worked it out had Jesus born in 4 BC. Hmm. Which is a bit of a difficulty, right? How could Jesus be born before Christ? I don't know, Jim. And again, I didn't want to go off on this tangent too far. I do think it's funny that the mayor of Ottawa believes that he could move these trucks with helicopters. <laughs> well, and probably hooks. That's the best part. Giant claws. And it would be just like, imagine that. Imagine if it was a drone, okay? So they have to find an expert, right? So they go to the lo local carny, freaking Nickelodeon crap bull and crack town and find some crack whore that's really good at the claw. Okay, that's the person they hired to run the drone helicopter to claw the trucks away. Right, and they have this arrogance, they have this hubris that they believe that they don't need all of the little people. They don't understand how an economy works. They don't understand the whole idea of a market-clearing price being found by the little people who each have their own buying and selling needs and wants and have their own fantasies about their, I don't know, 401ks or whatever it is that people have these days. And so when they, when they have this concept that they're just going to pick up all of these trucks and that will free up the streets and there won't be any more protests, they have this fantasy that that's all they have to do is they have to get rid of these physical ob obstructions to their power. And that's not all they have to do. They, they, they can't have grocery stores in Ottawa if there are no trucks willing to deliver to the grocery stores. Oh, but there's going to be a huge fix to that. Jim, it's worse than that. Zero you don't, Jim, Jim, it's way, Jim. They're going to have robotic trucks yeah, driving kind of, around. Yeah, it's worse than that. You don't have any trucks rolling if there are no tires. There's been a huge tire shortage across North America. You oh, don't yeah. have any trucks if you don't have fuel. You kind of need that to get going. You don't have any trucks if you don't have the parts that go into these modern trucks that you really just can't fix on your own. You, you, these trucks, like the chips, right? The circuit boards. Yeah, well, you, it's more. It's worse every, than that. Yeah, it's worse. Every than truck that. has a computer, and if you can't build new trucks with new computer systems, you're screwed. It's worse than that. Every truck has the computer and all the tubes it controls. And when I say tubes. I've talked to some truckers. You open this modern truck cover, and it's a lot of fucking tubes and a little engine in the middle. A lot of tubes, a lot of wires, and an engine in the middle. So there's a lot about all this that stops working. If you ask me, it stops working pretty soon. And I don't think anyone's going to get any fucking warning at all. But, um, yeah, there's a lot that stops working, Jim. All right. We were going to talk a little bit about the operational security of these Yeah, we were. That, we're going to do that next. You shoot. OPSEC for convoys. Well, I was, uh, I joined one of the smaller groups because uh, I had joined a 38,000 member telegram channel on uh, the USA trucking convoy. And then eventually they posted separate channels for each state. So I was like, well, I'm in Arkansas. I'll jump on Arkansas. Because I have, I have driven, you know, 24 foot box trucks long haul from like 
Kansas City area to Dayton, Ohio, and from Houston to Kansas City area. So I know a bit about, you know, what it is to be driving a truck, finding out that the brakes don't work. Oh, that was exciting. Uh, used the used the handbrake a lot on that trip from uh, Kansas City to Dayton. But but my point is 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 that I thought, well, I will I will ask a, a few questions in this smaller group because there were only like 350 people in the group. Yeah, okay. So um, one of the questions I asked was, what happens if 500 truckers blow past a uh, a way station? Because you know these people are going to Washington D.C. to protest. Do they actually have to weigh their trucks on the way there? I don't know. But, you know, one of the answers that came back was, well, 499 get through. And I'm like, well, maybe 500 get through. But then what happens is, of course, the cops in the way station call ahead and there's a roadblock. I've seen this movie. I've seen this movie. Sam Peckinpah. Convoy. Was this Vanishing Point? Oh, no, Convoy. Convoy. Okay, yeah, vanishing, point, vanishing Point is about a guy in a sports car. Yeah, that's right. That's not Vanishing This is Convoy, okay? You just yeah. described the plot of Convoy. And the rubber duck breaks through, and, and the evil sheriff calls the National Guard. And they set yeah. up the tanks. Yeah, and, and it's kind of grim. And, and, uh, and there were trucker convoy, there were truck protests in the 70s uh, over high fuel prices. I think there was one in 79. And I think that was part of let's get rid of Jimmy Carter because he wants to actually investigate the CIA. And, you know, he, he's signed the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, and that, that, that's costing us a lot of money overseas. Um, you know, there were. A, a concerted effort to make uh, Jimmy Carter fail. I don't think the uh, the students who were kidnapped and the and uh, the uh, who did the kidnapping of the embassy personnel in, in Tehran. I don't think they were, you know, just innovators. I think they were put up to it. Uh, they had CIA handlers. Is what I'm saying. But my point is, is, is that um, and then I asked another question: If we're going to assemble a bunch of people for Arkansas to go to Washington, D.C. What's our route? Are we going to cross the Mississippi at Memphis? There are only two bridges there, so that would be a choke point. Or do we want to go up to St. Louis and cross there? And because there's like five bridges there. Or do we want to cross somewhere in between? There's 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 a further four bridges in between. And then I thought about it and I was like, well, we don't want to end up in Illinois. We don't want to cross the Mississippi at St. Louis because that puts you in Illinois and that's a Democrat and they're crazy. So, you know, assuming that anything we know makes sense, you would rather cross into Tennessee because it's got a Republican governor, it's had minimal mask mandates, and that kind of thing. So that's, that's, that's sort of an interesting question is do you want to go – with smaller vehicles and take over the on-ramps for the uh, access to the highway before you get to the bridge so that the convoy gets through? Or what do you want to You have to be thinking that the, 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 the government, Biden's government, doesn't want Washington, D.C. clogged with trucks. If the truckers aren't going to be obedient and just deliver things to Amazon, you know, so that that things can continue going back to normal. Yeah. Are things going back to normal, Dan? Jim, I I stick to what I stuck to a year ago. Something <laughs> is something is close enough that you can feel its heat. You can feel the glow. It's not here yet. 
It's been waiting your, your longer than I expected. Your last podcast before this one was History is Boiling. Think, history right? is boiling right now, and I think it's been boiling for almost two years. I think, I think it got to boiling temperature in late 2019. Now the question is, what happens next? You know? I, 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 I don't really know. I mean, here's the thing. I don't want to beat up on the truckers. That's not my purpose. I just currently it is my belief that the federal government is in collapse. I really do think that's the case. And best case scenario, all this nonsense is some of the nonsense you see at that point. You've seen the movie The Thing by John Carpenter, right, Jim? You know, with yeah. Kurt, Kurt Russell? Yes, yes. And the yeah, thing and, is, is in, uh, they're in the, like Antarctica or something. Antarctica. And at the very end, it's like Kurt Russell basically says, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, none of us are getting out of this alive. So he hands out a bunch of dynamite and a bunch of flamethrowers, and they go around tossing and remodeling the Antarctic base with dynamite. The, they do. I, it, yeah. It's a really great ending. And the yeah. thing is, is that none of them can tell who has been you know, occupied by the parasite, the thing yeah. could be any one of them. Yeah. What, what, here's the thing. I like Kurt Russell and I like the way that movie ends, but here's the comparison. To me, the deep state looks like Kurt, an evil Kurt Russell. And in this case, he's the Kurt Russell who basically says, if I can't have it, nobody gets it. And he convinces enough people with the same attitude. All of what they're doing is so self-destructive. All of it. Oh, All yeah. of what they're doing is crazy. I mean, it's the kind of crazy that fits end of empire or something else. And I'm and, and so, yeah, I think we are close, dude. This trucker thing could be, you know, could be real. This trucker thing could be real. And, and, and now the question is, are the bag holders getting scared? Because if you ask me, Jim, the reset was another mind fuck, not mostly designed for you and I, but designed for governors and mayors and senators and colonels and generals, middle level technical managers who have to stay at their fucking post to the last fucking minute. They can't go home. They can't go on vacation. But guess what? When the tragedy's over, you're going to have a condo in Switzerland. That's, that's the reset, dude. The reset is I bullshit. The, yeah, I think that's a good. I think that's a good point. And, and and you mentioned this John Carpenter film. There are two really good John Carpenter films, both of which I think people should watch just because they should, um, and not because I have any kind of authority over them, but just because they're really good movies. One of them is is the thing, and this is what happens if something totally evil takes over another person, and then talks with their voice and controls their actions, what do you do? And that's a really good puzzle because I think there are a lot of demonic spirits in our world who have taken over certain people and they have a lot of power because they're willing to be completely ruthless because they don't see us as being anything like them. And then the other, the other movie, which is really good and kind of a metaphor for things that are going on, is the film They Live with Rowdy Rodney Piper. I guess they could get Kurt Russell for that one. I don't know. But um, you know, he, he and, and a friend of his find these, these dark glasses, these sunglasses, and you put on the sunglasses and you see a black and white version of reality. That is really how things are. And so... You look at a, a dollar bill and it says, this is your God. 
and you look at a magazine and it says, obey, consume, obey, consume. It doesn't have the, the pretty ads. If you take the glasses off, it's a pretty ad. But if you put the glasses back on, it's just a subliminal message, obey, consume. And you look at people and some of them just look like people. But some of them, some of them look like a kind of evil alien presence. Yeah. A demonic presence, perhaps. And so, you know, I think both of these are, are, are good stories to be thinking about because I do think we've been living in that kind of world. We've been living in a world where we don't know who we can trust because anybody could have been taken over. And we don't know whether or not what we're seeing and being told is the way things really are or whether it's, it's an illusion meant to beguile us and to put us back to sleep and it's and it's an important question and in the history of western philosophy one of the first philosophers to ask that basic question was you know socrates via plato in the plato's republic you know the basic question of what can we be sure of concerning reality the allegory of the cave and many philosophers um i think rene descartes in the meditations posits you know as a thought experiment what if there's a demon that's you know manipulating the world around me how would i know for sure how would you know? Um, you oh, go ahead. How, how do you know that you are you? That you exist? That's another one of those puzzles that Rene Descartes looked at. Yeah. So I, I don't know, dude. The reality thing. Here's. A, let's stay back to the trucker thing. Um, and and it's not technically opsec. It's more of logistics. But if you're going to take a trucker convoy a thousand miles, shouldn't you bring your own fuel and maintenance crew? They did. They did. But all, a lot of the a lot of the support vehicles after the first week they've been there a while now and so they brought in some, uh, some tanker trucks to refuel everybody and those were stopped before they could get in okay so because it, the logistic yeah. issue is something that, that the Ottawa police are aware of and they've actually been interdicting people who bring just a jerry can of diesel fuel to these truckers but you said you you were on telegram them. talking to the ones who want to go to Washington DC so are they going to put together the maintenance and support for this? Yes, that's being talked about. That is a conversation, and there's a lot of discussion about how to do this because it, it is difficult to get a whole bunch of – and they're talking, they're talking as though they can get 700,000 trucks in this convoy, which would be you know spectacular, and I don't believe it. I don't know what the number would be, and I'm not even sure you could find it, but I wonder if there's a number for how many trucks go in and out of Washington, D.C. every day. I mean, I'm mean, i sure you could find something like that from the Department of Transportation yeah. because they, they have way stations all around. If, if I so, was well, Right. There's something called Intelligence Preparation of the Battlefield, IPB, and if I was doing the OPSEC on this, that would have been one of the questions I would have asked. How many fucking trucks go in and out of that city every day? That's a good fucking yeah. question. It is a good question. It is a good question, and and and, uh, and there's a lot of other questions that come up, like what route from let's say let's say we're going to get from San Diego to Washington D.C. What route are you taking? Because it matters. It does. Um, th there is no way in my mind that you're going to do really well going through Illinois, but there are truckers in Chicago, so those guys are going to do what? They're going to go to Gary, Indiana, and they're going to come down to what, I-70 to go east? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what routes there are, but I know that that matters because the, the, the choke points. You and I saw some of those choke points being built. In the desert. In yeah. In, in the, the desert. desert. Yeah. 
In the northern Nevada desert on Interstate 80, there are so-called mule deer migration uh, crossings, which bring both lanes of traffic together into tunnels, artificial tunnels, over which a berm of dirt has been built so that allegedly the happy little happy-go-lucky migratory mule deer can, can walk over you know, the highway there. But it really looks like a perfect place to put a checkpoint and put, like, what, uh, a little uh, unit of Humvees and maybe some artillery and a 50 cal machine gunner. Oh, yeah, a a 50 cal sniper team, too. Another thing, too, about these mule deer bridges is that they were very well built. They were built for mule deer that weigh as much as an M1 Abrams. So yeah, right, and, and, and I don't know why they would do that because mule deer are tiny little things compared yeah. to an M1 Abrams. Yeah, so it's weird, right? Hardened, hardened, <laughs> hardened choke points in the desert for a mule deer, you know? On, on Interstate 80, which is yeah. sort of a major, uh, a major artery, as it were. Yeah, it's it's weird that you would do that, and uh, they're elevated so that you know when you got your your team up there, they could you know launch a drone or two and see out into the desert if anybody's trying to bypass by just going through the desert. First of all, people like, you know, have this, this weird idea. Some people, I don't know, but, 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 you know, the desert is not like the Nevada salt flats where they race cars. It's not a, 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 a dead sea, which is flat. No, the, the desert is rugged terrain and, you're, if you're not on the road, you're not probably going very fast, probably two or three miles an hour for your vehicle to get through the ravines and the gullies and the sands and all of the problems. There's scrub brush in the desert because it's not completely a desert. It's not just going through sand. Well, but we could get, uh, you know, those uh, things with blowers on the bottom uh, and just, you know, skirt over the top of the sand yeah but it's not a dune sea it's 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 rugged terrain yeah my point is is, is that they'll be seen and then the the tank or an artillery shell or a mortar will be launched to take out the people who are trying to avoid the joke point yeah i mean because killing civilians is one of the things yeah. that's done now oh no it is as far as communicating i was wondering if i could talk about something really quick before we get to our Next couple topics. Is that okay? Absolutely. Please do. So I've got a friend here in Utah, um, Justin, who's working on a lot of radio projects, and we're working on a couple of them together. And one of the radio projects involves a software application called JS8. And what JS8 allows you to do is hook your computer up to even just a CB radio using citizen band radio, and you can, with a few, you know, a few attachments, a few, you know, um, I guess adapters, you can send and receive text messages essentially using a network of CB radios and JS8. And it is a multinodal network. It's a, it's a store and forward type network where you get that message out there and they will forward it on to other nodes. So if one of the questions is, you know, and again, I don't think the truckers can use this, but if one of the questions is how could we digitally communicate and send, for example, orders for, a, let's say you had a business you wanted to keep going and the internet went down and your cell network went down because they are a lot of deep state garbage. 
this would be a way for you to keep your orders flowing. This would be a way for you to keep your logistics flow going. So um, my friend can set up a basic kit that does not include the computer. It would include the radio, the antenna system, the attachments, the instructions. The software you download and you'd have to have your own computer. For, but for about 600 bucks, uh, I think he, you know, he can build one of these kits. So I'm just throwing that out there. What we want to do is start building out a voluntary network. Another thing too, because it's digital, this particular technology can occupy a narrow portion of the spectrum even when it's noisy. I mean, Justin was making communication with Europe, with South America, and he was using basic equipment and an antenna we put up using a bow and arrow, Jim. Okay? So, well, no, it's cool. That's another thing too. Bow, if you're going to get into radio, get yourself a bow and arrow and one of those bows and one of those arrows designed for uh, bow fishing. Um, and there's more to it if you want it. We can give you specifics. But if you get, if you're going to get into radio, believe it or not, a bow and arrow can come in quite handy. Um, oh, for, I've often thought that it would be good to have like a helium balloon or a hot air balloon. That too, would and work. you could you could you could put a length of antenna wire up. And then you do your illegal broadcasts and you stop after an hour or whatever. And yeah. by the time they deploy an FCC team to FCC stop doesn't you do, from- Jim, that's another mind fuck. If you really research the history of the FCC, the worst things that happen to people is they get cease and desist letters. Yeah. That, it's, that, the FCC is a big mind fuck. I'm not saying you should go out there but and. But they have armed response teams, Dan. Everybody, every yeah. government agency has Jim, armed response I saw teams Star now. Wars 2, okay? I saw Star Wars 2, <laughs> all right? But it was a movie. Okay? <laughs> I know that a lot of people think if they get in trouble, the shock troops, the, the stormtroopers will show up in their ak acts or walking well, giants. I was FCC would send a drone with Hellfire missiles to target the illegal radio station. Well, here's the deal. If you're using a CB, I don't even think it's technically illegal. So that's one thing. Number two, it's a very, because it's digital, it's a very low power friendly technology. So you're not going to be like drowning out people. And you can literally occupy those spaces between the voice conversations. So I'm bringing this up because this is a resilient relatively cheap way for people to maintain digital communication if other forms of communication fail. And I'm of the opinion that many of those other forms are probably going to fail you. Or another way of putting it, if it depends upon technology that depends upon the government, it's going to be as dependable as the government. Does that make sense, Jim? Oh, it does. No, I like this. And and the the delightful thing here is that it's citizens banned. So we could put together a couple of web pages about it and get a whole bunch of orders from truckers who are capable of putting together $600 worth of equipment. I mean, a lot of these trucks cost them $80,000 and they have all kinds of cool stuff. Well, we have a plan for starting a business, Jim. And, and the concept is something we call the RAD terminal. And the first version of the RAD terminal would basically be like a Raspberry Pi, a basic DC power unit, a CB radio, and a basic screen and keyboard, it would be a kind of a clamshell design, 3D printed, and it'd be something that was durable enough that you could take it camping, and you could power it from a solar cell set. And the idea is you could be on a computer having text conversations. It would be a regular computer you could use for a bunch of other stuff. But in addition to that, it would be a movable node of communication you could take camping. Um, Cool. I like it. You know, runs Linux, okay? It would be a pretty cool setup. 
And, you know, so we have some ideas, but right now what we want to do is more of the homebrew thing at first. We want to get people thinking about digital communication over not just the citizen band spectrums, but over shortwave, AM generally, get people interested so we can start setting up these networks right now. It's going to be a lot harder after the communications go out with, you know, the phones and the computers uh, as far as the Internet goes. Um, which is something that's funny. A lot of preppers will talk about storable food, and they'll even talk about power for your phone so you can connect to the Internet. But they really don't talk about the fact that the Internet's probably not going to be there for a while, maybe even for a long while. Well, some of the people I know who are doing preparations do talk about having, like, the inverter for your solar cells. I mean, you think your solar cells are going to last forever, but the inverters would go out with their, if there were an EMP. And so you are, you, you're not going to be able to get the power into the battery because the inverter is dead. Yeah. And so uh, some of my friends do actually have Faraday cages and, you know, put put their solar power inverters in a Faraday cage because that's going to come out well, after. Y- yeah, you don't need EMP. Crap. Collapse. The collapse of an empire could cause the Internet to fail for a while. It really oh, could. absolutely. It's really kind of uh, a prodigy that all of these networks and grids are still up today because there's a, a large number of miracles, I think, involved in keeping the electric power grid going. I was surprised that Texas wasn't taken out by this little dusting of snow they got because last year we were told. Well, Jim, you could make the argument that the Lord's finger was holding up the Titanic to get the last blessed Christian off before he let it sink. I. I can't say why the plates are still spinning. I'm just telling you they're still spinning. And we're going to get zero warning when it stops. This idea that the market's going to crash and we're going to have stagflation or even hyperinflation, all of it seems like denial, anger, and bargaining at this point. And all the talk of Germany 1933 sounds really stupid and really tone deaf to history. I think it's closer to 38 if we're going to be... No, I think it's closer to 1945, and it's Berlin, and yeah, people can... Oh, it's the other side, okay. But my my other thought was, uh, you have seen the film Convoy, and they actually do mention CB radios, and they do communications, and they have Breaker, One-Niner, and all of that good stuff uh, as part of the dialogue. It's important stuff, man, because if you're going to break in, you have to have some some catchy way of talking about it, and you can't say 10-4. Well, I'll tell you what, a lot of people make fun of CB, Jim, but you can get a UCB radio pretty cheap. Like, there's a place in town right. here that will sell one for under 30 bucks, and that radio, with a little bit of effort, could be a way for you to talk to a lot of people once, you know, everything else stops working, and frankly, best case scenario, I am definitely of the opinion that this country is going to experience instability for a while. I don't know how long, and I don't know if it'll be everywhere all the time. It's like the 1970s, Jim. If you lived in certain parts of New York City, you probably thought the world was coming to an end. If you lived in Mount Vernon, Washington, like I did, the world seemed okay. You know? And it could be, imagine that, but horrifically worse and more skewed. There'll be some places I think will maintain relative stability. And in those places, if you have a local internet provider that's filled with creative, intelligent people, you might even have a local internet. But will the World Wide Web as it currently exists survive what's coming? I don't think so. I think whatever comes out the other side hopefully will be more free in terms of liberty, but I don't think that the current government-managed internet is not going to survive what's coming. Uh, I think that's true. 
I'm curious what you think is the motivation for places in Europe that are now talking about ending mandates and ending all of the vaccines. I don't even aspects. know. I don't know what's true about any of that, dude. I don't know if any. I don't know if any of what I've been told, what's going on outside the United States, is that true? When I compare it to people on the ground, when I get it, compare it to people I know, or at best, at worst, excuse me, at worst, the third-hand person. It doesn't seem like the stories match reality. But here's the one thing I will say. At the end of the day, when, when they know the plates are going to fall, they're probably going to have the PSYOPs be turned off because they'll simply turn off on their own. These are operations that have to be run by people that will stay at their posts. And if the people at their posts are of the opinion that everything's going about to go you know, haywire, Jim, I think a lot of people are going to start abandoning their posts, Jim. Okay. Well, one of the thoughts I had about this was that it, it seems to me possible that they let uh, their prime minister in England, what's his name? Boris uh, Johnson. Yeah, 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 the Johnson. One of these, one of these dicks named a Johnson. Okay. Anyway, he, uh, he, he supposedly ended all of the mandates and, and is, is stopping the vaccine passport bullshit. And my thought is, well, that means they got as many people vaccinated there as they really wanted. They don't have to force anybody else to take the vax because they've got as much as they want. Maybe, maybe. I don't know, Jim. I really don't know. The thing about the vaccine this, story is it looks sometimes as fishy as the virus story to me. So, Oh, it's all very fishy, yes. No, the, all of these stories are very fishy. And one of the things that I, is, is fishy about them is, is that it doesn't seem clear whether everybody is going to die. When I, when I first heard about the jabs in early 2020, like April or May, one of the things that was said was that the intention was for the uh, jab to have 100% mortality within three years. And if that's true, there's going to be a collapse. There's no way to stop yeah, it. Yeah, but the problem is this, Jim. We're talking about the real world, the world of the science books where you can't bullshit too much. There's something called the Gaussian curve or the normal curve, which implies yeah. logically that 33% of those deaths should already be happening like right now. Indeed. And they haven't. But a lot of deaths have. The, the, the death rate is up. The From mortality the, is, is, is down. It's very strange. I don't know what to believe, Jim. I mean, people say believe the numbers today, fine. But I've never really believed the mortality numbers. I've never believed most of the shit they tell us about life expectancy because to me that has an agenda as well. I, I just don't know, dude. It's like reporting murders in Tokyo. You'd say, well, the Japanese are a peaceful society because no one ever gets murdered in Japan. But that's not reality. The truth is the cops have an incentive to take any violent crime and try to turn it into a suicide. That's the truth yeah. about murder in Japan. So I don't know what to believe, dude. I really don't. I'm One sorry. One of the things that I've asked people is how many people they think there are. And when you get into a look at, they say, 8 billion people, right? That's the number that I hear from time to time. Yeah. And maybe, maybe there's something to it. But when you look at it and when you scratch it a little bit, that is a concatenation of all of the national governments and what they say their population is. And if you scratch that a little further, well, in the United States, that's what the state government says there is. And then, well, how do they know? Well, there's the they have like voter registration and, and official ID, and that's where they're getting their numbers from. And I'm like, well, 
that's not counting everybody because there are a lot of people who don't have any ID and there are a lot of people who have no, you know, they're undocumented workers. Oh, no. And they're not part of these databases. And then there are other people. Apparently, there's, a, there's an extraordinary, there's a place in Wisconsin. I can't remember the name of the town, Madison maybe. But uh, an extraordinary number of people, 120 years old, all of whom registered to vote in, um, in, in uh, 1918. On the, on the 1st of January, which is odd because you would think the government offices weren't open. And they had to be 21 in 1918. So, you know, these are really, really, uh, and there's 100,000 of them. That's amazing. That, what, what are they, it, what's in their water, Jim? Like our parents would say. What's in the water? It's obviously not lead like the Flint water, so we got that going for us. I don't know, dude. Before I close this out, I just want to say, um, if you're interested in this package, this package would, would be everything you need except for the computer. And what we know about JS8 software is it'll run on Linux. It, we think it'll run probably on Apple, and we know it'll run on Windows, too. So if you're interested, contact me at the Planetary Status Report at gmail.com. Let me know. I will forward you to my friend. And like I said, we think we can do a base version for about 600 bucks. That would be the whole kit you would need except for the computer and downloading the software. You would have the instructions. And frankly, because we're committed to this, we want to kind of help people through it. We're not going to make a lot of money doing this, by the way. Um, the idea is to give you a lot of value. And, so and, uh, you know. a, a, a trucker who wants to put this in his rig, he's going to need to have a CB radio already? Or you, yeah, he, would, he, he can use his regular CB if he has one, but the 600 bucks that it would come with a CB. It comes with a radio, and how much power does it draw? Um, you know what? We've been using a bicycle running an alternator to recharge the, the car battery that powers it. It's a standard DC drain for the radio and the computer, that can be something you charge and just charge when you want to. It can just be a laptop like we're using right now. Um, you know, they used to make these little miniature computers. I think that would be kind of cool to package in a version, but we're also oh, looking at a Raspberry oh, Pi scenario. But we're not going to include the computer, okay? It does not a lot come of truckers, with A lot of truckers will have their own computer and will have their own uh, power inverter for their, you know, things that are in the cab because they have a lot of stuff yeah, yeah. in the cab. They have this would be, GPS devices and shit. They, they probably wouldn't need the radio. They, this would give them like a backup radio. They could probably use the CB radio they have along with this. And what this would give them the ability to do would be, like I said, to send these text messages over the radio. But we're also look, working on a project. It's very, very beta. Very, In fact, it's more alpha. It's called the Notes Project. And the idea is to build a kind of contemporary bulletin board system based upon your IP address. Just your IP address. You don't have to give us your email. You don't have to put a password in. Right, and you don't have a choice. Your IP address is disclosed with every transaction on the internet anyway. Exactly. But you can get, an, uh, you can get a VPN and pose as someone from some other geographic location. That's correct. And, and, and so the IP address is not a big deal if if you are disclosing it. I uh, I posted something to that, right? I yeah. posted it me on your on your um, yeah. bulletin board. It's still there, and you can delete it now if you want to. Um, again, the, all the features are not there yet, but the combination of this and this, we're going to actually set up nodes to take messages from the, both directions, take messages from the CB network and post them on the web, and to take messages from the web and redirect them to the network. 
So it'll be kind of a connected system, ecosystem, if that makes sense. Um, nice. Nice. And again, we don't, I think, I think yeah. you might want to come up with a four hundred dollar version that doesn't have the radio or what I don't know what the number is, but you know, um, because I think a lot of truckers would be interested in this, and if they could just use their existing radio and their existing laptop. I can't speak for Justin, but I think it would be less than four hundred. Like if all yeah, we were I think doing you should probably is, charge a little extra though, so that you build in more profit. Well, we're I'm, not. I'm always yeah. thinking the angles, man. I, and I love it. And the problem is, this project is still very early. So for all my listeners, if you go to my my blog, you'll see a notes link, and there is an application there, but it's still under development. So if you use it, go ahead and use it if you want to. Now, there's also a basic encryption tool there that's still being developed. It is AES, which means symmetric. It is 256, which isn't the most advanced. But when I get it done and I get the burn after reading capability done, basically it'll amount to a fairly decent secure tool for posting to a public bulletin board. And then after the person that has the secret reads it, it deletes. Nice. That's not completely done yet. That's not completely Where done is yet. AES in terms of uh, 256 is not very it's strong. Not, let me put it this way. The types of messages you could post, if they can read them, I think we're talking about a few days for the NSA or something like that. Um, cool. Probably something very close to that. A few days. So, I don't know. Well, most of this stuff, for a public bulletin board system, the fact that a message exists at all is kind of announced. It's not, that's no secret. Oh, yeah. No, the idea isn't... At first, the tools right now are going to be kind of the... How can I put this? The version one, you know, tools that are free, um, there'll be a version two that will probably involve some type of donation or fee. But the first, the version of this public bulletin board is designed to, let's, okay, Jim, let's say you have no phone, no radio, no computer, but you're in a city, a foreign city, and you're surrounded by people that have computers. You've got a problem to solve. You need to find someone nice enough to let you use a browser. But if they'll let you use a browser, this is a way for you to post a message for somebody if you're in trouble. Okay? And all you need. I like it. I like it. It's got a lot of it's got a lot of opportunity. Also, you can go to a a coffee shop, and 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 this is the thing because your identity is not stored in our system. All we care about is the IP address. You can go to a coffee shop, and you'll be a completely different user from the perspective of the system, but you'll also be a completely different user from the perspective of the people using it. So there's lots of ways in which this tool is designed to help people stay anonymous, believe it or not. Sure, and it makes it makes sense as a tool for, you know, you, you visit a public library, like the guy who was running Silk Road was in a public library using their Wi-Fi, and he happened to have his laptop open when the FBI descended on him. Yeah. Well, Ross Ulbricht, he's still in prison. You know something, dude? I don't know what's going on with him or Snowden or any of these figures of abuse. Um, what I'll say is this. I don't think any of what we want to do here is anything other than helpful. What we really want to do is create a way to maintain commerce if the neo-Stalinist forms of commerce fail us. You know? We'd like well, yeah, we, but what are the chances that the neo-Stalinist form of commerce is ever going to fail? One hundred percent, it always does. Every government is a slow-motion failure. It, it's it's guaranteed to fail. It's a question of when. And if you ask me, for the federal, the U.S. federal government, it, the time is now. It's failing. 
it's pretty close. It's pretty close. I mean, it's been hard to motivate myself for some of these long-term projects because of how close this feels. Well, I mean, the thing is, though, the project I'm working on right now is a lot like your Ozarkia project. It's a project designed to be about both worlds. And, and it is hard because we're in more than one world right now, Jim. We have to be if we want to get by. But um, we're trying to look at the future, too. And ultimately, I would rather live in a future where if we do restore the Internet, the power becomes back more on the side of the decentralized people than the people that want to build big government. So our goal here is to have a highly decentralized and resilient system that has no dependencies upon anyone else, but that there be two nodes that can communicate. That's it. So. Well, that's good, I, and I, I I appreciate the work you've done. I've I've uh, seen some of it, and I've worked with it, and it's good stuff. And so, yeah, I'm glad that the, these two products exist. The the add-on for existing radio users and the whole CB plus the system. That's good stuff. If man. someone's interested, it's very basic right now, which means that. We're just starting out, so if someone's interested, we're not going to cheat you. We have every incentive to treat you, you with respect. A, uh, uh, I, I saw your video on this. Do you have a, a web page with some text? Because people not yet, want... not specifics, not not yet. We're not. Believe it or not, we're still a little bit below the radar, but we can do what we just said in terms of building these yeah, units. Yeah, it's just I, I need I need something that I can post for people to look at on these forums that I'm on. I'm on um, I don't even, Jim, I, you don't even have to if you don't want to. We mostly... But I well, really want to. Well, Fuck you. here's what you can post. You can have them contact me at my email address about these radio packages that we want to build. Because that's you part... You Dr. Freckles. Um, planetary status report at gmail.com. Okay, that sounds good. And and I'll just, let people know. And let people know if they're interested. You're right. There's probably a kit we can build for somebody who already has a radio. Um, but but what we really want to do is start building out this network. And so whatever we can do to do that to achieve that goal would be great. As far as like the bigger picture social media thing with the bulletin board, I <sighs> think we're still a month away from from wanting to just have people start using it on, on a big scale. Dude, it's such a shoestring, it's such a tiny budget. We don't have any money. So I'm basically <laughs> using the one, the one website that still hasn't banned me. And given my pattern of success in recent years, I'm sure that they'll ban me soon too. So Well, you can put see. stuff on Freedom Land Dow for a while if you want. Not, this, not unless I have, you know, we talked about that, not this stuff, not this stuff. Um, all right. This is, this is, all right. Well, I think it's exciting, and I'm really glad that you're doing it. And I, I will bring you a whole bunch of people who want this because um, they're 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 already using CBs and they're already on the road. And we would love and to work with the, some truckers. of them are protesters, man. Yeah. They haven't given up. They're 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 protesting because they think that the Stalinists aren't real or something. If the trucker, if there is a trucker out there listening, okay, to this podcast. And you want, and you're getting involved in some of these protests. We would love to set you up with this type of system as soon as possible. I'm pretty certain we could put something together relatively quickly if we know the type of radio you have. So please contact us because this could be a great way for people to maintain journalism when every other thing is being turned off with a kill switch. So you can get your message out. You know, not such a bad Sounds thing. Sounds good to me, brother. Okay, you had a couple topics I'd like to close out on. Um, Ozark Herbal Academy, what's going on? 
Well, I am working on a new version of the business plan today, so there should be a, a another revision done in, in a couple hours, maybe maybe five hours. And uh, we are raising money to build uh, classrooms and a library and a place, uh, build out a place for cooking the, um, the, the herbs into tinctures and different things that people need. Uh, you know, the, uh, the rule is that you can, um, you can distill up to two gallons of pure alcohol, I think a month or a year or something, uh, for personal use. And so we can, we can make, uh, we can distill a little alcohol to make, uh, the things into tinctures. Cause that's what a tincture is. It's just, you know, an alcohol based herb, an herb soup that's been, uh, put into alcohol. And uh, there's infusions, and there's lots of lots of knowledge here. Uh, we've got a database of 29,000 entries, going on 30,000, I think, this month, and it links to over 500,000 articles about different topics. So there's a lot of information people can get out of the database, which is uh, available for subscription, 15 bucks a year, 100 dollars. Sorry, 15 dollars a month, 100 dollars a year. Um, which is an $80 savings um, if you subscribe for the whole year. And we're working on uh, pricing the classes and also on um, some of the other aspects of things. One of the technologies we're looking at is AirCrete for making uh, domed structures that would have a long-term, uh, you know, they would they would be around for decades and not be flimsy like some of the tornado food you find around. So those are some thoughts uh, about Ozark Herbal Academy. Um, people should uh, throw money at the problem because that will help. Can you hand out the website? OzarkHerbalAcademy.org. Cool. OzarkHerbalAcademy.org. And if Jim's working with them... I, I, I'm pretty certain they're not just a real thing, but they're a real important thing to be focused on. So it's health-related, and boy, we're going to need a lot of help with that when, again, highly centralized systems, which includes healthcare, start falling apart. You're going to need. You're gonna well, need to I think those systems have been falling apart for for years and years. I think you know what you've mentioned about the leading causes of death in this country, iatrogenic or doctor hospital caused death is a big cause of death. It was hundreds of thousands back in 2019. Yeah. 200,000 people dying every year because of a screw up in the hospital. It's not a working hospital system. It's, it's a mess. And so, you know, getting, getting beyond that has been important. And there are a lot of natural alternatives. If you go to sites like Natural News and the Organic Prepper, you, you can get information. And our idea is to make it more widely available and to do some, you know, in-person training so that people know how to identify the herbs and the, and the wild edibles and the wild mushrooms that are edible. Um, and there's a lot of that knowledge here and uh, we can train people so that they know what to do. I mean, one of the things that I, I read recently was uh, about the Ashley Babbitt lady who was killed uh, a year ago on the 6th of January, 2021. And there was a guy next to her who had been, uh, you know, 
in in places like you know uh, Kosovo or or Sarajevo back in the nineties. And he knew what to do, and he had a little a little med kit with him, and he immediately kneeled down next to her and and put some compresses on her shoulder wound and was trying to save her life. And uh, the fact that somebody knew how to do that is kind of cool, you know. And, and having people like that around is good, and training them is important. And so that's one of the things that we should uh, we should be planning for this future that we want to live in. Well, you know, there was a training I received when I was in Korea called Combat Lifesaver Training, and they yeah. they covered all the basics, including suturing a wound, which. You know, they ge- they generally don't want you to do, but if you have to do it, you have to do it. Um, this is yeah. good training to have. It's good training it to have. It is good training to have. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that people need is, uh, if they can get it, is is uh, curved needles. Because yes. if you have a straight needle, it's good for cloth, but the cloth is flexible and the body is not as flexible. So get yourself some curved needles, people. They, they sell them at, at uh, any kind of, of sewing supply stores. And... Uh, it's important to be able to have the right tools, but it's also it's vital to have the, the knowledge. Yeah. And uh, and I'm glad that there are these courses like combat lifesaving because you know Americans aren't used to having a war on this continent, but it's coming, it's happening. Well, I just don't know. I do know that there's going to be violence because best case scenario, which is what I talked about in, a, in an essay I wrote in 2015. Best case scenario, there will be parts of this country that will seem like the worst dystopian movies you've ever seen. They, they, for a while, maybe for a long while. Um, Especially cities. I think a lot of cities will descend into chaos. It's really a question of, of whether or not people wake from their spell. I, I feel as if people are also under a spell, and there is spiritual warfare going on, and if they can break from that spell, they have a chance. But they have to break from it. And, and I don't know. It's hard, you know. Um, I, well, I knew... cities may be the graveyard of armies, but they're also the graveyard of civilians if an <laughs> army is fighting. And... You know what Dr. Freckles once said? I do not. I don't know everything Dr. Freckles once said. C- cities are the graveyards of graveyards. <laughs> that's funny. That, that's actually quite funny. Yeah, that's wrong. I don't know, man. The, the ultimate graveyard is the city. That's what I think Dr. Freckles would say. Oh boy, we shouldn't say that. Um, new zoo customer. Yeah, I got a new uh, customer who's interested in putting together a, a sort of a petting zoo on 16 acres near Branson, Missouri. And he lives up that way and he does technical writing. So um, that's an interesting uh, prospect. I think there's still uh, a lot of uh, people who would invest in tourist operations in this area including a buddy of mine who's buying some hotels here in Eureka Springs. So I'm interested in, uh, in that because I do think that one of the things that um, we have to be aware of is that um, you know, the animal populations are not all going to do equally well in a human civilization collapse scenario. No, and another thing too, international travel for ordinary people is virtually dead right now. International travel for ordinary people in the near future for a long while is going to be almost impossible. So a lot of right, a lot yeah. of tourism will be local again. It will be a gone. Lot of, uh, a know. lot of my friends travel internationally, and I gather from one of them that you can fly into Mexico and back if you have a recent test that you don't have. 
the COVID. Yeah, I won't take a test or the vaccine, so I don't get to travel to Mexico the legal way. Um, right, and then know. and then it's a question of crossing the border on foot or in a vehicle, and you know whether you do that at checkpoints or not. Um, those are interesting questions. So I think mostly, you know, if Americans are going to be having a vacation in 2022 and they don't want to be vaxxed and they don't want to have a test thing shoved up their nostrils, then um, they're going to be. You jump in the car Domestic. like the, there's a Norman Rockwell poster from the 40s, I'm sure, that shows the family jumping in the car, jumping in the old Woody, heading to, heading right. to, yeah. And, and, and you know, it's had some exotic animals, have the kids play with the, the baby animals, and uh, maybe there'll be some bed and breakfast uh, rooms at this 16-acre site. So that's that's a that's a business venture, and there might be a business plan in it for you, me. Would you want people to contact you if they're interested in either investing or participating? Well, of course. Same okay. thing for the uh, Ozark Herbal Academy. If people think that that's something that needs to happen, and they want to invest in it, or if they would like to have that knowledge and training, uh, or they would like they have some of that, and they would like to work here, uh, there are going to be opportunities to work together. And in the notes for this podcast, there is a link to Jim's Twitter account, and I would say send me an email, and you can, but everything about me and the internet's pretty, um, got some type of voodoo spell. So you want to be careful. I have not been on uh, Twitter in in a couple of weeks, but you can, uh, the same Planetary Jim identity is on Getter and Float.app, and it's a bunch of places. A bunch of, a bunch of, a bunch of, what do you call that? The village that they ran over with tanks back in '34. That was that a Hooverville of vets in Washington D.C. The, bon- the Bonus Army. The Bonus Army. There's a lot of Bonus Army spots out there, not yet run over by tanks. So you can get to one of those. Oh, and, and the guys who run Float, Kingsley Edwards and his wife Erin, and built uh, Float app, and it's really nice. And they promise that they won't run us over. So I, they all they all make that promise at first, Jim. They do. They do. Well, I got, I can they actually happen to be libertarians. So yeah, I, a lot I, of libertarians make that promise. You know, I'm just yeah, saying. We'll I, see. I, I, we'll see. I, I, we'll God bless, and I hope that they are what they say they are. I don't know them personally, so I can't judge them. But I will tell you this. I give your Twitter account out because it's the one I have. I went on Gitter, and it took them about a day to shadow ban me. So it's like... You know what, dude? It's so all wait, one. You're, 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 on, you're on Twitter? I didn't realize. No, that I said you. I'm no longer on any of that shit, dude. Oh, okay. Well, I'm no longer you know, allowed on any know, of that shit. So. Any of that shit that has a, a domain name, like, I think it's t.me for Telegram, and then that would be slash planetary gem, or it's yeah. facebook.com slash planetary gem. If you send an email to planetary status report at gmail.com, Assuming it gets to me, I will forward those information requests on to Jim. You had one more topic on here about big restaurants. Yeah, there's some big restaurants here, and it looks like one of my buddies might be buying one of them. And and one of the things that they lack here is a 24-hour restaurant, and I think there's enough uh, third-shift workers to make that an interesting proposition. So So cool. Um, yeah, that's another business. No, that'd be, that's a cool thing, a diner, a 24-hour diner. You know, I think locally those will come back, um, and they will be local chains, local chains or local individual restaurants again for a while. I don't know. I kind of think the big corporate food system is also in collapse. So I, I just 
I, I think a lot of things are going to change with respect to food. I think you'd have to, you'd probably agree, wouldn't you, Jim? Oh, I think a lot of things are going to change. I think the ways in which the, you know, the Cisco truck pulls up with all of the supplies that the restaurant needs. I think that's that's going away. That's very um, centralized and not going to work out. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, the the, the farm to table restaurant where there's a greenhouse with an acre of vegetables under it, and there's a a farmer uh, who helps his neighbors harvest one of their cows and they, they take that to the restaurant. That sort of thing is, 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 is very um, resilient. And um, I just watched a film last night called The Biggest Little Farm. It's about Apricot Lane, which is in some suburb of Los Angeles. I don't know, maybe 200 miles from downtown Los Angeles. And they actually figured out how to make it work with a lot of diversity of species and a lot of cover plants to cover crops to keep the sun off. And uh, they, they have a well that was able to supply them with water because water in, the, in, in California is a big issue. Yeah. But, um, you know, after a few years, uh, everything was working. And, and the way, it, the way it, it, it was done with all of these different fruit trees and all of these different crops and the, and the, and the um, the chickens and the ducks, the ducks to eat the snails that were eating all of the fruit and killing the trees, and the gophers were being killed by actually coyotes as well as uh, hawks and uh, the the guard dogs. They, they they bought a couple of Great Pyrenees. Wow. You know, a lot <laughs> of good stuff. No, it sounds like a pretty – what's the name of that movie again? It's called The Biggest Little Farm, and it's a really interesting story. I think it starts about 2010, and, and they work up through about seven years of, of different things and uh, how, how they, you know, the worms, how, how they got involved making the worms into a big part of the, the soil there. Yeah. And they turned a desert into a, uh, a working farm. I mean, they had like, you know, a million and a half bucks when they started, so they, you know. They had people who had money that wanted to invest to make it make it work, but we could do that in other places, and it's uh, you know it's very positive. Well, here's the thing: I think we can do anything as long as the fucking government gets out of the way, and I think that we can do anything as long as we give up on this Keynesian, commie, central bank Ford pickup that gets you know eight gallons to the mile. If we give up on that shit, we can go anywhere, Jim. We can go to Mars. But if we keep doing the same stupid shit, I kind of think we're doomed. That's where I'm at. Well, and, and really when it gets down to it, you and I don't run a central bank and we don't do all of this stupid shit. No, we so don't, really, but, but we use a lot of money. What it comes down to is, is that if we can shed the parasites, if we can stop being parasitized by the four million people and governments, state and federal and county, and the 26 million unionized school teachers who push the communism. If we can get rid of the parasites, we can actually have a really wonderful world. Yeah, the problem is the parasites are attracted to the government, dude. It's kind of how that works. So you sort of have to get rid of the thing that's getting the parasites to come on in. You know? Well, I was thinking the, the parasite, the government was one of the parasites. Well, I yeah. mean, it's a very, it's a systemic poison. We've been it's poisoned systemic. in a systemic way. And so... It's like the, the case you made about the mobile phone. It's horrible. 
it's dark and it's real. People can't live without it, but it's their fucking dog collar. It's the tracking device. It's the main way that people are fucked with. And, 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 and it's, it's really difficult to get off of that. Even if you, if you like my buddy who put Ubuntu on his f- cell phone, you know, even if you put another operating system on it, you're still in a captive network. You're in Your a captive. Is still connecting to, uh, you know, yeah, you're in a captive. You're you're in a captive oligopoly, meaning finite company economic environment. You are in a captive oligopoly of government and a few dozen chip makers. You know, that's what you're in. It's tough. It's tough. Um, it's tough, but you know, I think we can work it out, and we can switch to CVs and do texting that way. Oh, you don't need to check switch to CVs, dude. If you don't want to, but I will say this for a oh, relatively you have, to. you have to, you must for a relatively. My friend needs yeah. your business. No, that's not what this is about. For a relatively cheap price, you can actually add some additional security which is the security be of being good. able to reach someone if there's an emergency. With a text-based device, you could send instructions on how to do a surgery over the CB. Because it's digital, it's pass or fail, win or lose. So there are things you can do with digital over CB that you can't just do with voice either. So yeah, I think it's something people should look into. And if you're interested, like I said, planetary status report at gmail.com. Um, just, you know... Say you're asking questions about the digital radio stuff, and I will relay you to my friend Justin, and we will get this going. And Jim, All right, brother. And Jim, do you have anything else you want to talk about? No, I'm good. Okay, well then, for Tuesday, January, no, February the 8th, fuck, February the 8th, 2022, thank you, Jim, for stopping by, and, uh, you know, you answered some tough questions, you know I'm a tough customer, and thank you, folks, for listening. Talk to you later, really. Okay, bye.